0: Before we get started, this episode of the Food Grower podcast is sponsored by Direct Plants Limited, and specifically their amazing range of polytunnels. We use these strong and affordable tunnels on both Jack's Patch and Fanfield Farm, and we love them. Direct Plants manufacture the tunnels themselves so that you can buy your polytunnel direct from the manufacturer, and not just any manufacturer, but from growers too, so that they really understand what you need. These traditional high-quality polytunnels are available in a range of sizes to fit your growing needs and they're manufactured here in the UK in Norfolk. We are delighted to bring you a brilliant 10% off the entire range at directplants.co.uk. Simply head over there and use the code foodgrower at checkout. That's foodgrower, all one word, no spaces, at directplants.co.uk. This episode is also brought to you by Natural Grower. Natural Grower's award-winning liquid fertiliser, plant feed and soil conditioner is made entirely from maize. It's naturally rich in nitrogen, potash, phosphate and other trace elements that plants and vegetables love, and it's approved by the Soil Association, Vegan Society and Biodynamic Association. The concentrated natural fertiliser can be poured around the base of plants, whilst the plant feed and soil conditioner can be mixed into the soil, or used as a mulch on the surface as a long term, slow release fertiliser, on all outdoor and indoor plants. Both Jack and I have been using the Natural Grower products this year and have seen amazing results and we have a fantastic 15% off the entire Natural Grower range for you. Simply go to naturalgrower.co.uk and enter foodgrower15 at checkout. Welcome to the Food Grower Podcast, the podcast that tells the story, highlights the techniques and talks tactics with food growers from all around the world.
1: From market gardeners to allotment holders, field farmers to urban farmers, we want this podcast to inspire you to grow food or help you on your already existing food empire.
0: I'm Chris from Fanfield Farm.
1: I'm Jack from Jack's Patch. And this week of the episode, we've got a new friend of mine, really cool guy, and I think you're going to love him as well. Um, And on Instagram, he is at Elky Wild. How's your week, Elke? Uh so so far, fine.
2: Uh, a bit cold over there in the in the greenhouse. Uh, today we had uh, cooking for the community. So every Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, the volunteers we gather and uh, we cook for um, food banks. So we just try to get surplus from. Uh, uh, groups around the area and just hammer on on, on getting the food and food banks and it's cool atmosphere. Uh, also, I had a, a new friend with me, a new <laughs> friend. <laughs> it's, it's uh, passing by, so I need to make the most of it in the Cactus House. And uh, and that's, yeah, that's that's the highlight, really. Not much <laughs> going on in the garden because Moon Moon is going 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 low, so I'm just waiting for the for the new moon on first of February, which is going to be Monday.
1: I think mm. so. That's about it. We will delve into moon cycles later for sure, because it's a yeah. uh, it's a good topic, and I really liked uh, you. Something you've done with cactuses to when you cut them to see the uh, the difference in the moon cycles Whether it was a good uh, moon rising or moon waning uh, mm-hmm. But we'll get where we'll, we will get to that. Yeah. We just like right. at the start of the podcast to For people to get to know you and, and what you do. Well, I am Mexican I've lived in London
2: for nearly 20 years I am a professional chef, uh, but a few years back, I decided to cut it off because my life was going nowhere. Uh, in a box, in a very hot environment and very hostile, and I just decided to it was not for me. Uh, but I had no idea what to do with my life because I had no other skill but to cook. Uh, I used to get good money, but uh, it was taking me nowhere and my, my life was my life sucked at that time. Uh, my relationships were all over the place so I, I needed to shift it and it was until um, I think my first trip I decided to leave London and uh, I visited a friend in Malaga and uh, uh, ne- next day I was walking on the hills. And uh, my friend, uh, uh, I, I told my friend, oh, that's edible, that's edible, that's edible, that's edible. And she's like, no, 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 no. You you can kill yourself and uh, I'll go to the shop, yeah? Okay. <laughs> and I was referring to cactus because uh, there was a puntius in, in the hills. So I did, I just grabbed a knife, come back and I started uh, taking cactus home and cook them and i was like yes i have a fresh cactus like in mexico like like, like home i felt like home uh what it tricked me it, it was like that it, these these plants are endemic from mexico i was like what 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 is this plant doing here it just it doesn't make sense uh so i started digging in quick and i realized that spanish ships brought them uh, 500 years ago by by a few reasons and it's just been scattered firstly in the Mediterranean and um, secondly, thirdly uh, uh, Africa, around the world, etc. Uh, through, through the centuries uh, so I found it quite fascinating it was a window to my past to my roots which uh, uh, as, as, as a Mexican I'm half Spanish and half Mexica, let's call it that way And I I was a window to my past, to my heritage, to my culture, to my language, uh, to the biodiversity in Spain and Mexico. And I I decided to dig deep and came back to London, quit my job and uh, got myself in trouble.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's exactly that, isn't it? Getting yourself into trouble. I feel exactly the same, but I've never said it that way. I love it. Absolutely. Love it. So you've got a uh, like a native connection to your plants and, and who got you into growing this way or growing these?
2: Well, uh, there is two people that um, have influence in my life. First, uh, my mom, she's a writer. Uh, she's retired now. But when I was a kid, uh, she took me around Mexico and part of her job was to travel, to meet people, to get new stories, write about this for whether for her own Uh, stuff work or for a a newspaper or something so we were always in this green beetle Volkswagen across Mexico and that I remember that since I was a baby to maybe eight nine years old the second person who influenced me is my grandmother because she was my man couldn't cook but she's a writer so uh, (laughs) uh, the Person who took me into the kitchen, my grandmother, and uh, nobody kind of uh, was interested on in cooking with her, and I was quite uh, maybe five, six years old, and she was taking me and telling me these stories when she was a, a kid or a teenager or whatever con- countryside stories. She was basically storytelling me uh, uh, my 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 ancestry, but I didn't realize. And at the same time, she was telling me about plants, about her sister, Mercedes, which she had a garden, uh, what now can be called a botanical garden, where people will visit her for, uh, to get solutions or on physical problems or mental problems or whatever problems. So uh, my grandmother used to live in the village and moved to the city at some point, but she got this knowledge at some point. And she used to go around the garden and talk to them and once again, and again, and again, same as, uh, Mercedes, her sister. And, uh, she used to spend all day in the garden, talking to them completely detached and people have to visit her and go with her around the garden and talk to them and sing to them. And I I don't know, it was a relationship with the plants. And uh, the moment you open the gates or the front door, the first thing was the garden, then the, the house, very rustic, very humble house. Um, but you could see that everything was flowering. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not a, like a professional, dedicated gardener to many plants, uh, maybe just cactus. But I remember that walking into her garden, everything was like radiant, like with, with, with a lot of flowers Mm. and the vibration. It was like, I want to be in this place. I want to spend more time. I don't want to go. And it was this kind of magnetic field that she created with a garden. And possibly that was the healing, one of the healing parts of why people visit her or not visit her, but the place and they got healed. Uh, I didn't got this until three years ago. I start doing my research and I start working with plants. And then through meditation, I start kind of connecting with my grandmother and connecting with the memories that I have as a kid uh, and working with those memories. And I understood what my grandmothers were doing with the soil and with the plants.
1: Yeah, so, so, so cool. So that you're channeling the energy. That she was giving to the plants. And then now you've got that relationship with the plants. You've got that energy with your, your grandmother.
2: And yeah, with my grandmother and, and I am a chef. So when I'm cooking, mm. I, well, when I'm cooking as a rush, well, not so much, but when I have the time, put an intention and get ingredients and and cooking for like today for the community or with friends and, and I have the time and, and I put all the love and, uh, and everything, all my energy, then I can feel the connection with my grandmother. She's, she's like, she's with me. She's alongside with me or part of my body, but the energy. I can feel it in the workbench or uh, with the vegetables. And sometimes uh, when I know she's going to be there, I extend my, my hands and I can feel the vibration of the food. And I said, this one is for you. Uh, you are with me. Let's, let's, let's make it
0: work. I love that. Absolutely love it. Has it has it changed your relationship with food as a chef as well? Because I know I've worked in that environment and you, as you said before, it can be so negative and sometimes you're just churning out food because it's the job or whatever. Now, because you've put in that intention into growing the food and things, has that changed your relationship when you're cooking?
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, of course. Um, first of all, have respect for what is in front of me that I'm going to cook. Uh, and give an intention, uh, whether it's in a rush or not. I'm just trying to stop for a couple of seconds and say, this is going to be for me. I need to put this on my body. So let's let's have the time. Let's have the uh, intention. Or when I do it for somebody else, which is mostly ev- everyday case whether <laughs> for uh, for uh, my girlfriend, for friends or the community kitchen, whether I'm cooking tempeh or I'm, I'm doing something else, then I try to at least have, if, if I don't have minutes, at least seconds, close my eyes and give that intention that I am just a, a passage between the, um, the the food being somewhere and being processed. And I have the, uh, the let's say, the key to, to, to if, if, if the food is coming with a negative um, intention and negative energy, I can change that energy and change it into positive. So, uh, so the food has uh, so, something positive for whoever is going to consume. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes I can feel food comes with negative substance around it uh and but i'm not gonna put it in the bin or you know i i, I it's the skill or not skill but i have the power to transform the uh the energy field of of the food with my intention and my love to, to do it you know and that i didn't have that before when i was a chef it was just processing like a machine the fastest the better yeah. uh, it's all colorful it's always shapes but it had no intention. It was just my ego. It was up to the roof. <laughs> and I was getting paid. I was showing off and all that. And I, I, was, I was like... One of the reasons I quit is when when I came back to London, I realized that I was poisoning people. And not by putting uh, chemicals in the food, but by... Uh, n- not giving the right food to the right people. So I was like, what am I doing? I'm, I'm not feeding you. I'm poisoning you, uh, um, you know, because the food that I'm taking is it's just poison. It's it doesn't make sense. So it was a big crack for me. And I was
1: like, I, I, I need this needs to make a, needs to be a change. There's definitely a relationship between uh, like the food grower and the chef, and I think the love we put into our vegetables that like people taste it, straight, like because they know you've bought from that farmer, we've looked after the soil. Um, but you're right, there's that spiritual connection that you can change the structure of the love being being sent to the food because we have that power. And when you realise it, it, you can make food beautiful, taste beautiful, and then be medicine for that person.
2: Well, I, I, I'm not like many growers. I don't have like a, a patch of land where um, I have all vegetables. All my energy time uh, is going to this little little piece of land uh, in Wolf's Lane. I call it La Nopalera, which uh, I'm doing. Uh, it's a research center for me. It's a meditation center. It's a yoga space it's a way it's a place for rehearse for artists musicians a place to be with myself and obviously it gives me food um obviously it's cactus in the uk it's not gonna grow really quick but when it gives i really enjoy and i really taste it and i'm like i'm very thankful for being in, in that little space and having the chance to eat cactus that is, I guess it's organic because I'm not using <laughs> any chemicals. Uh, it's not certified by the Soul Association, uh, but it's, it's, it, it gives me this uh, joy of taking these plants in my body.
1: That's it. So, so we want to talk about that space because when you open those doors, you feel like you're in Mexico and that's yeah. what it is really beautiful. So uh, can you tell us um, like how you managed to find the growing space? Because I feel like that is another connection. You're, you was meant to do this.
2: Yeah. Uh, so I was doing research uh, in Spain uh, with uh, with a biologist, ecologist, sorry, uh, which uh, was doing a study of multi-use plants, uh, a doctor's study. Um, we met, we started doing some exercises on the soil. Uh, we do a couple of chats, uh, talks, and going around a couple of farms and experiments. And then suddenly COVID came and the phone fun, fun came off. The, the center were, was closed. So I'm, I'm not, I don't have a Spanish passport and uh, I, have to, I have to go back to the UK. So, um, so I was empty-handed here in London. I'm like, I put so much effort on on this. I don't want to be a chef. And I can do research because there's no cactus in the wild in the UK, clearly. So one of the days I was just jogging um, to Whitehall Lane. And then I saw foxes in the street, just right in the corner of Wobbs Lane and um, White Lane. And it was like three or four foxes and they were rough and tumbling and playing. Uh, So they were coming in and out of the cemetery and they were like moving around the block. And then they went into one place that had a big, massive um, greenhouse. I thought it was a factory. And I was interested and... uh, I, I knew that it was a greenhouse later on because there was some plants inside. I sent texts, emails, uh, you know, I tried to make contact with them. Nobody answered for a week or so. I knocked on the door uh, until one day I was just standing in the door again. And I started throwing stones to the glass to see if somebody was uh, angry with me. Nobody was angry. So I decided to jump the fence Uh, and there was nobody because the volunteers were over 50s, 60s and they were all at home because of the COVID. So uh, I knew there was something going on in the past because the website looked really nice but it was not the the real situation because uh, there was no volunteers. Uh, So I decided to start working. I opened the garden and I was like, wow, this is just like, this can be happening because uh, now I'm, I'm. it's not that I have my, my let's say, my um, my research back, but it's just around the corner. I mean, mm-hmm. literally around the corner from where I live. Uh, so I spent many nights uh, taking the weeds out because it was full of weeds. Uh, there was a lot of nitrogen, humidity, take everything out. Uh, because I saw they were suffering, uh, and then later on, uh, start rearranging the space because the energy was not quite uh, flowing. Uh, and then I start putting my input on 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 the plants, talking to them, singing to them, playing music, uh, spending a, a huge amount of time there in silence. And I think that was the one. The connection start happening, and my mo- my grandmother start coming around, and the foxes arrive, and the birds arrive, and everybody started arriving. I was like, "Wow, <laughs> this <what> <laughs> <it? laughs> this is this is something else." Um, and then I start experimenting because um, uh, later on, um, I was invited to be part of the community kitchen. I said yes, and the lady who uh got me in she's just walking around with me just to show me the place obviously i knew the place already by then (laughs) upside down in the dark (laughs) uh she's oh and this is a cactus house Uh, and she's like oh there's a few changes here (laughs) (laughs) keep my mouth shut because i was like uh, they're gonna choke me out uh later on as i told her that it was me and she was like, "Well, okay, but why, why, okay, so you are here. <laughs> just do what you keep keep doing, you know." Then I met Alistair, who started the garden that the, the cactus section long time ago, and he told me, yeah, Elke, just carry on doing whatever you're doing." Um I mean, thank you. And since then, I'm I'm a regular every day.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that.
2: I love that. Absolutely love it. It was meant
0: to be. It was meant to be. Yeah, one one in a million for me and for the plants. Absolutely love it. Absolutely love that story. And I don't think there will be another one like it. Like that, we ask everyone on this on this podcast how they came to be in their space, and not one of them has been that story yet. So I love
2: that. Foxes, and then sometimes they come in. I'm gardening, and uh, on this next section of the um, greenhouse. Uh, they was they were using chips to create heat and uh, cold, uh, but the foxes went in and used it as as a, as a den. So sometimes uh, there was foxes around, and uh, I need to tell you this in secret. But I spent many nights there, looking at the cactuses and the and the foxes come in and out and around me and. Uh, Bats come in. I uh, open the windows for to see if they can uh, do something with the flowers at night, uh, pollination, and moths and and the animals start working around me in silence. But yeah, the foxes sometimes they take my boots. I have drums and it's it's, it's a skin, so they like the skin. They smell the skin. Take my drum, uh, my gloves sometimes without fingers, without hole in the car park, in the street, you know, but it's, uh, they invite me there. So I need to respect that is their space as well. So we need to live in um, uh,
0: in symbiosis with, with the animals there. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, they're reminding you it's their world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Something I really want to talk about because I'm completely ignorant when it comes to this, but it's about eating cacti um, because it's not something that's Really known or popular in the UK, is it?
2: No, I think the the culture of eating cactus, well, uh, the the opuntias, mainly possibly the one of the most known edible cactus, is coming from Mexico. is um, is endemic from Mexico, mostly of all of the species. Half of the three hundred species, hundred fifty, coming from Mexico. Uh, so in Mexico, is a staple food it's been using um, as in gastronomy uh, I've, I've seen part of the research that they have found uh, cactus uh, at, uh, close to to human bodies or bones for 8,000 years ago mm-hmm. so it's, it's been a, a plant that has been used for a long, long time and it's because it contains a lot of water and it keeps the water inside and it has a lot of vitamins. Uh, so if you are in dry land, that's the plant that you want around you. And in Mexico, it's everywhere. <laughs> so, uh, it's being used in gastronomy, not much in crops in Mexico, because there's no point in cropping it because it's everywhere. So you don't need to crop. Uh, <laughs> If you are Mexican, you go to the U.S., you go to Europe or whatever, you always want to bring your cactus with you, whether it's in a commercial tin or whatever. Or if you go to a Mexican restaurant, they import cactus from Mexico. But it's already, when it comes in a tin, is uh, the nutrients are gone. Mm. It's, uh, it's super cooked, so you cannot taste the real cactus. I mean, you can get it online but you don't know if it's organic It's travel across the atlantic and uh, it's it's just not sustainable product so uh, here in london or in europe i haven't seen somebody eating cactus the way i do like in mexico especially when you have the cactus fresh in your hands Uh, so this is one of one of the um, Aspects. The second thing that is a question that possibly eighty percent of the people ask me if that if I grow peyote or um, <laughs> San Pedro, and I said to them, "Well, uh, I don't have the need uh, to to use uh, San Pedro or peyote as hallucinogenic because, uh, first of all, respect for the land." In, in the desert, in, in Sonora, Chihuahua, all those parts. The, the Lofofora Williamsi, which is the, um, the cactus, the slowest growing plant in the world, is Lofofora williamsii, and concentrates a lot of chemicals inside. That's why possibly, that's why it's so powerful. It takes uh, about, I don't know, 15 years to go to this size of my, of my hands. So, uh, and then the poachers go to the desert, take it out of the desert, uh, and, and sell it in the black market, or make it powder, and then ends up in, in ceremonies or in this uh, outside of Mexico. Uh, but the people don't see it, that these cactus have been uh, taken out, uh, out of the desert. Uh, and sometimes out of the five or six L- lofofortas that looks the same, they don't have the same effect because they don't have peyotein or mescaline inside. So once they realize it's not lofofora Williams, they just took it out. When it took that plant to grow, uh, loss of years, loss of energy. So uh, they're creating uh, a big mess in, in the Mexican desert. Hmm. So, uh that's the second question. That well, sorry, the first question that people ask me: Did you grow peyote and San Pedro? I say no, I don't I do grow those things. Uh, if I'm gonna consume peyote in the future, I would like to grow my own, and maybe in 15 years I'll I'll make use of it. But I, I think I will not I will not do it because <laughs> it's it takes too long to grow, too much energy.
1: So is is your mission, Elke, to to farm like cactus in the UK and just it become a part of the diet, or just for just to kind of it's showing your heritage as well, isn't it? Um, well, like- uh, both.
2: Uh, I realize in in obviously in Spain it is it grows wild because the the, the um, atmospheric conditions are very similar to Mexico. is uh, is dry is uh, You know it's it's similar but here in the uk while especially last year uh, last winter uh, it was quite cold in january i remember the 14th of january north, it was a weekend and um, i had some trays lie down uh, and we don't have heaters we don't have extra lights it's it's just it's it's just the glass and that's Mm. that's what it is so I start taking pictures because I start getting into my photography, just experimenting with light, and colors, whatever. And I zoom in into the uh, eye rows of the cactus and I start uh, looking at growth. And I'm like, how is possible that in the coldest day of the winter, there's this this, this activity when, according to the books, the cactus should be sleeping because there is no light. So the cells doesn't there's no transfer of nutrients between outside of the cells and uh, in, inside or outside of the cells. So the cells close. So the whole system of the cacti falls asleep. It's it's an hibernation. But these cactus didn't. Clearly, they were in an activity. And I was like, oh, I think we have something. <laughs> so I start laying more more beds uh, uh, or trays. Sorry, because I didn't have much at that time. And I started monitoring them and I was like, uh, if these cactus can survive in the UK and these conditions uh, without extra lights, without uh, heat. So in Mexico, we call it a crop. Here, clearly, maybe not now, we don't need edible cactus, but in five years, 10 years, 15 years, once the gaps of rain will be more scattered Mm. as you know uh, 15 years ago it used to rain uh, m- more days a year now it's coming in chunks yeah. and the soil is not absorbing that water and just draining it so it will be moments of drought, a lot of rain rough rain so on and so on and the the plants that we're going to have to consume in the future we're going to have to change them because they, they're going to be too costly for to 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 grow them that's exactly why the cactus appear in earth on earth 35 million years ago because the the plants that were before couldn't hold on to the atmospheric conditions at that time and they have to mutate and change their characteristics so it's exactly what my theory on the uk that it uh, will be able to. We will be able to make a crop. Uh, yeah. Clearly, it's
0: happening in world's Lane. <laughs> <laughs> I love. Absolutely love that. It, 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 it's it's a bit of a shift though is not it because I mean I've been across the Canary Islands quite a few times in the last couple of years and I've visited the Cactus Garden there a huge garden dedicated to cactus but it's not I mean uh, my Spanish isn't great but so I could read most of the signs but not I don't think there was a single mention at any point of any of them being edible and that may have just been but they had to everything it was it was a very visual decorative garden so yeah this this is a huge question, and obviously people have to come and visit you to find out the answer. But how do you cook cactus? What's what's some of your favourite ways to cook it? And and I, I suppose it's like asking what do vegetables taste like. But what what's sort of the feeling and flavour for people that haven't? So uh,
2: the 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 cactus that we Mexican uh, eat in Mexico. Uh, is the the opuntia family so it's a few uh genera no it's not family it's a genera which are the cactaceae, uh, the opuntia uh, the mamilare is the series so the the the, the, the opuntia uh, is is the one that is as as far as i know all the opuntias that i've eaten they're edible i'm still alive i'm healthy <laughs> <laughs> to me uh, they are all different tastes acidity uh, tanginess depth uh, depending on uh, the, the conditions of, of its natural uh, landscape uh, but uh, opuntias normally uh, in Mexico we call them nopal from the nahuatl from the ancient nahuatl which is nopali uh, so basically is, is the one that looks like a tad like a racket, uh, and then you just take the spines off and you can eat it raw. The only thing that stops you from eating it raw is the spines, clearly. Yeah. Uh, and then it's, it's a raw vegetable. Uh, it's like uh, just uh, eating uh, cucumber raw or, or uh, courgette raw or anything just raw. If you want to cook it, obviously you can apply heat via... Uh, fire or in the oven, or boil it or whatever. But um, I think I, I prefer roasted because it keeps the mucilage, which is the uh, I think the magic of the cactus, because the mucilage it has a lot of properties, which is the kind of the sap of the cactus, especially the Opuntias. Um, but yeah, is the is the Opuntias that that. Are uh, could be an impact in astronomy and in many other ways uh, around the world. I think for the future.
1: So what I was just going to ask the health benefits of that sap because I remember you saying because it's sticky. It uh... yeah. So that mucilage
2: or kind of saliva or whatever you want to call it. Um, so it has a polymer and it's very similar to plastic the structure of plastic but obviously no it's not plastic. So it's these ribbons of um, uh, of sugar of complex sugars that uh, when you eat it it cleans your 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 stomach it cleans your colon because it grabs the the matter that is attached to the walls of the stomach. So it's a a cleaning uh, agent. Um, So at the same time, it regulates your sugar levels. So for example, people who has problems with the spiking of the insulin, uh, also known as diabetes, then it can regulate the sugars, uh, the the spiking of the insulin. So it can be, well, it can help in that way. Uh, It has uh, vitamins. It doesn't have much protein, uh, a lot of chlorophyll, clearly, from this screen, is, is <laughs> and it has water, 90% water. You're basically looking at a water reservoir. It can be used as a vessel to cook. So you, I normally get a knife, put an incision in the middle, I open it, and you can boil your water in fire. Or you can put other vegetables inside or, uh, or well, I don't know, uh, meats or whatever inside, if you need, and then you can cook it in, in the fire. Uh, the mucilage can be used as, um, you can do uh, a which is a process where you encapsulate matter, and you can sink it at the bottom of the containers, whether it's a lake or uh, 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 a toilet or whatever, and it can grab the matter, and you can separate that matter from the from the water. So it, it can it can be used as a cleaning water. That process is being used for thousands of years when uh, people needed to drink water from a river, but it's too mix with uh, I don't know with soil, and the only w- way to clear it is to mix cactus uh, mucilage with the water it will sink and uh, and and yeah it's drinkable Um, i I don't know how many chemicals will take out the water from dirty water but i've I've seen it working in uh, experiments Uh, for example if you go to the tanks where cities clean their water uh, which they use aluminum sulfate uh, this aluminum sulfate uh, coagulates those or, or encapsulates the, the residue of or, or whatever is in, in the water, bring it down to the bottom of the container, but it's very difficult to take it out from, from the mix. And once it's taken out, uh, is highly toxic. You cannot put it in the river or in a lake because it's going to kill everything. And the cactus, clearly not. It's, it's actually compostable, it's edible. So uh, yeah, uh, construction as well, the, the uh, mix of the um, mucilage in, a, let's say, in adobe, for example, which is a clay, uh, stray or whatever mix, it helps the brick uh, to be flexible for uh, when when you use constr- uh, this type of materials in places where are seismic areas, so the houses don't break apart. They are quite flexible and they are breathable as well, like kind of a cortex uh, mm. effect. Keeps you warm inside uh, when it's cold outside or vice versa. Um,
1: and- it seems endless, doesn't it? Just like um, like uh, hemp as well, just has all these properties yeah. that we need to harness. Uh, you said uh, there was like when the ships came over to Mexico, and or like they were transporting food, uh, they used to use it as like a f- refrigerator if they had the yeah. cactus in there. So,
2: uh, so uh, there is no studies or uh, because there were no biologists by then. Uh, there were not. Uh, Historians as such, eh, they were just sailors taking notes and the most skilled sailors drawing or or, or grasping stories, they became historians, right? So they start recording everything they could see and obviously to cross the Atlantic with a loaded ship of gold, silver and granite, uh, you need to get rid of anything else that you could leave in order to transport more gold, silver, and, and granite. Um, so uh, what they do is, uh, at the bottom of the galleons, they put uh, like a bed of cactus, then uh, fruit, vegetables, then another bed of cactus. Why? Because uh, obviously after two, three weeks, everything will rot. Then you, you need to start applying heat In the middle of the Atlantic, there is no wood unless you take the wood from the ship. And obviously, (laughs) you don't want to take the wood from the Mm -hmm. ship in the middle of the Atlantic. Um, So uh, they start using techniques that they saw that the people from the Americas were using to live in dry land, which is eating cactus raw. And also, in order to avoid scurvy, uh, once the vegetables and the fruits finish, they start eating the cactus and it will give you vitamins to avoid scurvy. And wow. you have water, ninety percent water, so you don't no longer have to put extra barrels of water uh, in the ship. So you you better put gold and silver rather than water and bring cactus to survive for months in sea. So that technique of survival helped. Uh, to make a trade, uh, well, that was not a trade, it was more like a theft, a more organized theft between the Americas and Europe. And then later on, from the Mediterranean Basin, it was easier to go across uh, Africa and Asia for longer trips using uh, cactus
0: as a a way of uh, nutrition. It's absolutely incredible. The the uses seem endless. I'm so grateful for you telling us about this. I mean... Instantly, like hearing all of the benefits, I want to go out and uh, stop growing vegetables and start growing <laughs> cacti now. Yeah. And how did you get started when you, when you got into that greenhouse? Did you, because people will be listening to this wanting to grow and grow and grow some uh, a bundia cactus now. Yeah. How did you get yeah. started? Can you buy seed or did you save seed from existing plants? How would people get going?
2: To, to grow from seed, obviously you need to have the fruits because they don't sell seeds as such in the internet. I look for it, mm. but you don't know what you're gonna get, to be honest, if you if you have it. The best way is if you get the seeds, uh, there is a production of, of puntias for the fruit in the Mediterranean. Uh, Italy is the second biggest producer of uh, uh, prickly pear behind Mexico. Uh, uh, there's generations from the 1800s producing Opuntias in Turkey I have a friend that uh, sends me uh, his produce sometimes organic produce from Sicily uh, in Egypt in Morocco, er everywhere around the Mediterranean, why? Because that's where the ships landed 500 years ago and it became uh, very easy to transport within the Mediterranean Basin, so it's all communicated um but from the fruit you need to incubate. Uh and I I if you incubate just um to put it on the right uh angle is if you are a if you are a mammal and you see a fruit uh and you're a vegetarian, obviously no carnivorous, you see colors, you want to eat the fruit, and then you poop the the fruit with the seeds and that seed is in the right environment because it's dark inside of the poop it's moisture and it has a lot of nutrients and it's warm so it's, it's a, a perfect incubation for cactus or any other uh, species of plants so I don't know <laughs> maybe cow shit or horse shit. <laughs> uh, I don't know uh maybe that's the perfect way uh the other way is that opuntias because uh, it's a very resilient plant when you cut one path and lands in the floor you basically have another plant why because uh, the the spines uh, they become the roots because they are so resilient Mm -hmm. that they don't need water for months they don't need sun for months uh, you can you can put them in the in the toughest place and they will survive because the moment they feel too cold, too damp, too whatever, they close the cells and they go to sleeping mode until they sense light from the sun and then they start opening up the cells and the whole uh, production of nutrients and transformation uh, transfer of nutrients start happening with inside of the plant. So. Uh, so yeah, just by cuttings will be another another way. But you need to have a mother, in order to do that, and you need to give it time. It's not like tomatoes, or growing your kale or your spinach. It's not gonna come out uh, from 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 one month to another, or you know, it's it's not it's not easy. But it will last. Uh, the plant will last for centuries if you look after it, for sure.
1: It's highly intelligent. It's highly intelligent plants. But as you said, they're millions and millions of years old. They've adapted to terrible conditions. And the fact that the spike turns into the roots is just genius. I <laughs> love
2: that. Yeah. Awesome. So the spines have three, um, mainly three uh, functions. Uh, one is uh, in, when, in, in dry land where uh, the, there is no rain uh um obviously the spines act as um attractors or gather the moisture in the atmosphere so any droplet passing by by wind they just grab it uh they cannot have leaves because uh, if you have leaves it's too expensive right <laughs> 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 when there's no water
0: <laughs> yeah it's
2: too hot the leaves is just gonna gops and you just waste a lot of energy so they have to use the spines to gather the rain and through the air rolls they go inside of the plant. Uh, the second use is to retract uh, animals because the animals can send the nitrogen inside. They see it as uh, water reservoirs so it's it's just to retract. Um, and the third one is that if you cut or falls or whatever ends up in the floor um, the spine becomes the roots in many cases not in all cases but in many cases especially the uh, opuntu
1: so in the uh, in the greenhouse uh, Elki a lot of the uh, cactus are in pots Um, but what I found really interesting is what you told me about how the roots gather the nutrients it's not just from soil and water it's from rock
2: from (laughs) rock so yeah um I don't feed the soil too much because they are not tomatoes or or a fruit tree, they're cactus. And I just need to put myself in the situation where they're being in dry land, when there is no rain, there is no nitrogen in the floor. So I'm thinking, so if they gather the, the nitrogen through the wind, okay, fine. But what about the nutrients? You know, uh, so what they do, the root system is not that really uh, open, like in a tree that you can see roots three, four meters away or whatever. Uh, They just spend little amount of energy in two or three lines, looking for rocks, uh, stones, and once they sense the the stone, also it cools down the roots. Once they sense it. Then they start using the mycelium on the soil to break down the rock and get the minerals out of the rock, and that's how they feed. <laughs> it's
1: incredible! It's
0: incredible.
1: Yeah. I knew I this magical. was going to have loads of gems. This podcast, Just <laughs> yeah. amazing knowledge. So,
2: ob- obviously, the aerial system, the, the spines, they absorb. Uh, so let's say in Mexico, in the in Sonora desert. Uh, is right in the middle of Mexico and you have the Gulf of Mexico on one side and the Baja California uh, Gulf on the other side there is no way you're going to get rain there's just no way you can see the rain but it's not going to touch the floor Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and then it evaporates uh, before touching the floor (laughs) so when there is moisture coming from the ocean uh, it brings nutrients in, in, in the mist also from that that is one of the sources so they need to be uh, very wise on when this is going to happen and when this is going to happen they release the spines and they are more um let's let's say more receptive of when the nutrients are gonna come and that is the magic of, of the cactus that they know when the nutrients are coming and they open, they open their, like, you know, when you're not, you when going to meet a girl, you open and you say, maybe I'm, I'm going to open myself, I'm going to talk more, uh, you know, and, and I want to know more about you. And that's the relationship, the plan with, with, with environment.
0: They just, it's, it's, they open up. I love that. Are you trying to mimic those those sort of things when you're growing it, you're sort of cultivating them in your greenhouse then? Are you misting rather than watering, those sorts of things?
2: Yeah, so uh, there is, the glass house uh, is was made in the 70s, so it leaks here and there, and I can't avoid that because otherwise I need to go in there and it's the, the roof is too to um, it's, it's old. I, I don't want to, <laughs> yeah. you know. I don't want to break it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I have to reinforce with bolts last year because it was gonna fall. Uh, but a part of that, uh, when there is sun uh, continuously through days, then I can put more water on the species that I know they will absorb. But the species that I know they are sensible to water, they I need to be careful. And obviously i need to spray water uh, that's why sometimes i need to spend time night in there because in the morning i need to i am the mist i am mm-hmm. i am the, the the clouds i am the whatever because the cloud is not gonna pass through a greenhouse so i need to create that environment and and myself i think i'm like, like a goth uh, uh, traveling in in the air yeah. and <laughs> then mm-hmm. i talk to i i am i am the air and then i I blow my whistle (laughs) and i talk to them and tell them stories that i am the nutrient obviously the water it cannot be from from the tap but from drink uh, drinkable water and i try to put intention in that water that this water is going to go into the cactus and and the cactus talk to the water and i play music and whatever like like if like if you're sitting in meditation in the desert just listen to the desert to whatever is in there and i, I just try to mimic that and so far it's working
1: mm. <laughs> <laughs> I how, but it's working amazing man um let's tap onto that now so the uh, the music is a big part of how You feel like the energy, the frequency, the vibration of the music uh, is helping the plant's growth. Um, And I absolutely love that. And also uh, the instruments you have uh, from home and they mimic certain sounds, sounds of the wind, uh, sounds of uh, they just have different low vibration or they had like a high vibration. And I just want you to explain a little bit more about that so in
2: in mexico they use what uh, is called in in italian language ocarina which are whistles Uh, they are not flutes but they have uh, you can make tones out out of them and uh, the there's inside of the whistles there's a chamber that creates uh, a flow of air different uh, and that you can recreate sounds of animals sounds of uh, nature and uh and actually the the actual uh ceramic uh, it has the shape of an animal um and then when you when you blow them it really sounds like a jaguar or sounds like the wind or sounds like a bird or sounds like something else so um and and the frequencies uh changes from one to another. There's very low frequencies which like when you are doing a um, and that has a resonation, uh, resonates in your brain and comes your brain waves for example or some of them they have a really high pitch uh, uh, but it, it depends. Uh, some of them it's cold for wind to bring the, the the uh, the rain with the clouds you call in the rain obviously I don't need that in the <laughs> arena. <laughs> but I mean and uh, it's it's like I'm telling a story to them and I'm telling a story uh, myself I'm having fun as well and I'm going back to the Mexico that it was before the Spanish arrived which um, I know was, having to have uh, Spanish blood, but I don't know what it feels to not have a Spanish blood. So I need to close my eyes and blow those whistles and go back in time, 500, 600, years. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But in uh, with the plants around me and with these whistles and the drum, and sometimes guest uh, instruments or musicians, I, I just travel in time, and and that is part of the uh, magic that I try to create with the plants, uh, with the little environment, with the guests. Like uh, there's a hand, a hand band visiting this week, I'm trying to make the most of it. Uh, maybe next week there's a guitar or a bass or I don't know. It's always an instrument passing by. Somebody so that is that relationship between the music the vibration the intention of, of of the music
1: yeah i really felt it when i was there with you um using those instruments it, it, there's like a feeling some of the instruments gave you different feelings and i feel like that it can't not work because of the intention of it and it and it made me feel like i, I wasn't in the middle of london in a in a greenhouse i was in the sp- in the space, and that's what was c- quite magical about it. Yeah,
2: um, if you are surrounded by cacti, for example, you I think you were uh, using the ocelotl, which in Nahuatl means uh, jaguar. So uh, you, when you are your mind is in trouble, your heart is in trouble, you are in darkness. Uh, you use the help of the jaguar to guide you through the jungle full of and uh, in, in at the bottom of the jungle and uh, darkness sometimes so you use the eyes of the jaguar to guide you through the jungle through those dark spaces and obviously the jaguar is the king of the jungle or the queen of the jungle and uh, and is is the main predator i'm not saying you have to become a predator but is your area and um, you uh, you are on the, the top of the game in in the jungle so once you come out from that dark space uh, then using the whistle it really helps you to to uh, i don't know it's like a like an awakening that wow do i have Do I really a jawa <laughs> <laughs> so i can go to darkness like 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 this wow <laughs>
0: I love yeah. that. I could do with that feeling sometimes. I can tell you, <laughs> I yeah. can do with that. And I, I'm like, I can go darkness tonight as well. Then I,
2: I love darkness now, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> not in a bad way, but, you know, just going through, I don't know if it's meditation or not. Uh, I'm not really, I, I, I don't know if it's classified or not, because I'm not into this, but just, just to be part of the instrument and be part of the plants. Yeah. Mm.
0: Uh, Pardon. Well, it sounds like that's that, it's that connection between both and that that's really closely tied. Um, I want to talk about biodynamics a bit. Is that something that plays into how you grow and, and the power of what you do?
2: Yeah, well, that's uh, something that my uh, Mercedes, uh, sister, my grandmother, uh, obviously, they follow the moon cycles. Uh, mainly, uh, they use uh, a lot more, but that's what I grasp um, and I'm trying to use at the moment. So we all water, all human means, all, all living beings have water with, within your body, right? So it happens that there is a, a, a piece of rock flying around the earth, you know, <laughs> and it creates a magnetic field and then it attracts uh, the water. Right, so because you have water, have water, then it has an effect on living beings. Hmm. Uh, so every time they, it reflects more or less, it will have a with full moon or the new moon, uh, and the waning or the waxing or, or whatever. So when you work with the soil, uh, obviously, when uh, for example, full moon all the energy of the salvia is up in the in the branches or in the fruits or whatever. So the energy is is loaded up there. So, for example, it will be a, a good time for harvesting fruits on close to the new moon or new moon, uh, maybe three days after new moon, uh, sorry, full moon, but not after that because the energy starts going down because there's no... Uh, pull from the moon of that water that is full of energy. Uh, So harvesting, for example, um, uh, roots will be good on new moon because all the energy is in the soil. So uh, your potatoes, very good to take. Uh, Planting seeds, depending on what you're going to plant. If you're going to plant trees uh, or things that go really tall, uh, then is uh, you want to plant it on on close to full moon, so it has the pool Is it has this uh, uh, information from nature that you need to go up, mm-hmm. so you plant the seed, yeah, uh, and and the seed has the has the 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 uh, the pull to to get out and explode and go up straight away. You don't want to plant it when energy is low because you make the, the it might it might grow, it might become a tree, but if you plant the seed with the intention from the beginning, then might be a more successful life of that tree or, or, or whatever. Uh, and, it, and it depends on how you, uh, every plant has different uh, use of, of, of the moon cycles. For example, the cactus, when i'm harvesting pads to to make more seeds later on obviously i use a full moon or close to full moon before to close uh, full moon i cut them up and i wait 14 days until it dries and then in new moon i light them on the floor when the floor is loaded with energy and the pad is loaded with energy so it is is a double a double whammy let's call it that way <laughs> double uh, so if i do the opposite harvest in new moon and plant in full
1: moon then it, it might be no success that's what i loved. you've done a post about this um and you showed me ones that you uh you cut on a, a moon that was like resonated with when it should have been cut and then one where it didn't and you could see the difference the one that didn't when you cut it at the wrong time um, was now got mould on it and it and it was uh-huh. decaying super quick so it's really hard to, to use it's not like so much science based but it's more of a spiritual teachings of we just need to follow the natural cycles yeah. of, na- of nature and I think that's coming back into the conversation more and more and more because we don't have farming backgrounds, none of us no. it's uh, it's like yeah. the new age of people are coming here to wanting to connect with nature more and we've got no dogma from before so the teachings yeah. re- they resonate with me because I've grown biodynamically before and seen such an incredible difference um, but it's the intention of it and I think intention yeah. for anything you do then it's going to, if it feels right it's going to most likely work.
2: Um, I think that has to be when when the uh, mass production arrives and obviously you want the same patch of land to produce a lot more and uh, you're not going to wait until the next month. You just mm-hmm. want more and then because he, the soil cannot produce more then you put more stuff on top uh, chemicals and it grows boom but you you are weakening the soil uh, yeah. at really heavy rates so uh yes you can produce a lot more but for how long it's mm-hmm. just not sustainable and then whatever you take is not coming from the soil it's coming from somewhere else that's it that's, that's it so you're not eating tomatoes you're eating i don't know what <laughs>
0: yeah
1: <laughs> well but before we like to end the show with our quick fire questions but before we do that uh, we want to talk about diversity in farming in the uk like you're coming to the uk with your knowledge and heritage and your i mean you've blown our minds this podcast <laughs> as well as anyone that's listening Thanks. cactus Like you get, I've got two cactus plants in the polytunnel now and they're, they're my new babies and I'm really excited. (laughs) (laughs) There will be more. There will be more. Definitely. So I really hope this is inspiring. Um, uh, so yeah, we, we know you've done the Oxford Real Farming Conference, uh, recently and spoke about diversity in farming. And I feel like it's such a topic we need to address because as we spoke before the podcast, like, Uh, A lot of the UK farmers stereotyping people's heads are middle aged white guys, but Mm. it's far from that. These people farm in amazing, amazingly in pockets and we just need to highlight them and show like what we can do if we come together.
2: Yeah. Uh, Well, if you if you go back in time, let's not put just the black and the white Um, if you go even 300 years back uh, there was no mass production everybody was farming in the villages in the local community or, or whatever everywhere in the world not just in Mexico everywhere they all follow moon cycles for sure I'm, I, I guarantee in, in a different language in a different way but they all follow moon cycles because the, the same moon is the same for us uh, so it comes when mass production comes in, the uh, the uh, colonization comes in, uh, and then starts uh, I don't know new trends or technology, and then the segregation starts happening. And obviously, um, in this case, I realized that in um, through the Oxford Real Farming Conference that yes the majority were white but also there is a uh, uh, my friend uh, Pauline from Black Roots and Ubele, Her um she was really explaining that uh, in in the UK this 1.4 percent of uh, black rovers against the rest hmm. and that needs to change if you want to make uh, biodiversity and in, 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 uh, diversity in all means, uh, you, you need to open to uh, ideas like the cactus. You need to bring, uh, uh, pay more people to work in the land, hmm. uh, advertise in, in, in groups uh, where there is more black community. So you yeah. can have, uh, maybe if you work with volunteers, more black volunteers, uh with more more of that of the community because clearly it is when you when people advertise they advertise to certain areas of society mm. and the circle keeps on coming and coming again yeah. so we're not breaking that pattern uh, so uh, it's 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 about to to open really open from the heart that we we are here together it's it's not Who's on top or who's the bottom?
1: Who's the black or who's the white? You know, we're all in the same ship. Yeah. Yeah, and we we completely connect through food. um, And this is what I love about growing. We're all excited about the same thing. Uh, Nature is our home. It's perfect um, in itself. And we've also with this podcast we get to look at the analytics and there's people all around the world listening and we can't believe it like you've got like Morocco Iran uh, Eastern Europe Australia Australia uh, South America and we just want to connect to everyone and make sure that this is a safe space for them and so they can start their growing journey and ideally we can all come together we all have things to share the amount of things I've learned about cactus yeah. from you Elke, is incredible so um, there's so much learning to be done um, so yeah want to thank you for that and I think it, what you said is so important.
2: Thank you, thank you for opening and 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 allowing me to speak whatever I need to say.
1: Yeah,
2: oh. it, it, it's been the case before. Then I want to express and open up, and uh, you know the the the, the, the option the option disappears because oh Elky is gonna come with this. Uh, so you know, thank you as well for for
0: opening. No, of course it's yeah. our absolutely our pleasure and um, people want to i think if i remember rightly you can catch all of the oxford real farming conference talks online can't you on their youtube channel is that right yeah they so can yeah, go back and see were, that talk
2: they were uploaded i think there is uploaded now i haven't i haven't uh, gone in uh, but yeah i think it's is there now uh, obviously there was too many talks because now it, it was from being a live event, it went to online in because of the COVID. So I guess the people doing their technicalities, it just got overloaded with lots of
0: videos to transfer. So I guess it's now. I haven't I haven't checked. I'll, I'll have a look, and um, if anyone's listening wants to catch that, and I really think you should, I'll put the note, uh, the link to it in the show notes to the podcast, so they can catch that. Yeah, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll,
2: pass, I'll pass the link. I'll as soon as we finish. I'll uh, I'll get in the case. <laughs>
0: Amazing. Well, look, we can't let you go one without hearing some more from your amazing instrument. But first, we uh, we need to do our quick fire questions. So I'm going to kick them off um, with your favorite tool that you like to use when when you're growing or, or whatever with cactus. My favorite tool, my hands. Yes. My,
2: because it connects me. I can feel. Uh, even I. Obviously, I need to use leather gloves because mm. they're rubber or the plastic gloves. With 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 thorns, it just is no go. <laughs> uh, even with leather, I have to use the plastic ones and the leather ones. Uh, but when I feel the cactus with my hands and it get prickled, and I feel the soil putting the hands in the sand and the soil and feeling the warmth or, or the moist or the coldness, the smell, my hands are
0: the best instrument uh, I could ever get yeah by by far far. (laughs) how many times a day are you getting hit by those uh those prickles
2: (laughs) uh well i still from last year uh in the thumb uh is quite painful sometimes i think it's gone deep i have in the legs uh, (laughs) here in the back uh my clothes sometimes after watching times I'm doing something different in somewhere else. And then Oh, (laughs) oh, it it moved. Um, You know? uh, Yeah, yeah, but gloves gloves. Yeah, when I have to deal with the with the big thorns, but I prefer not to.
1: Yeah, I think hands is a great one. It's just that I'm not too sure if anyone's said that yet. But Mm -hmm. it is our best tool. Right favorite growing hack? Do you have a hack to for the listeners? Growing hack, Uh, ash,
2: ash. Nice. uh, Yeah, my grandma uh, was using ash uh, in many ways. One because, uh, well, not my mother, her sister, and I remember that they were uh, creating ash. So um, and then they keep the ash uh, close to the garden. So, for example, uh, to Take um, unwanted uh, little friends in the plants, uh, so they put ash because it's quite alkaline. Mm. Uh, so, like, uh, how's it called? um Caracoles in, in English. So, well, um, little uh, insects that goes into the plants and they start eating your your leaves or whatever. Uh, they're uh, they don't like al- alkalinity or, or dry matter or carbon heavy. Uh, so, if you sp- sprinkle around a little bit of um, ash around your tree, your plants, or even in the stem, the ants will not climb up because they feel that uh, there's no, it's too dry mm-hmm. and they will just run away. Um, also, you make your soil alkaline. Uh, but just be aware that if you have worms, which is very important, you don't want to scare the worms. Yeah. Uh, so you need to be uh, ash very careful. Don't use ash in your compost too heavy, especially when you have a worm farm, because they're gonna die. So you want to maintain level of carbon nitrogen, and that will help you a lot. The ash. And you can create ash from your bushes or whatever. Uh, it will keep the minerals, maybe not the nutrients, but the minerals, and that will help your soil as well.
0: That's a great tip and a brilliant one for me. I live uh, off grid and our only source of heat is a log burner, and I have five huge bins <laughs> of ash. And I knew, yeah. I, no, I felt a connection. I needed to keep it, and I'm sure I'd be able to use it somewhere. So thanks for that.
2: In gastronomy as well, uh, you can use it to alkaline your make it your food more alkaline. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's yeah highly alkaline but you don't want that much alkaline so you need to be careful as well.
0: <laughs> All Just, in moderation.
2: A little bit as well. You need to keep that balance.
0: Awesome. The, um, I don't know if you're going to be able to answer this but I'm going to make you, um, <laughs> do you have a favourite cactus to grow? Uh, for me, is the
2: uh, Ficus opuntia indica uh, or the nopali which is as I told you is 300 uh uh types, Um, the 150 are endemic from Mexico, but uh, if somebody has seen the Mexican flag, there is an eagle Mm -hmm. holding a serpent, which he represents, the eagle represents the day, the spirit, and the other one represents the the dark, uh, the dream world, and it's a continuous fight between day and night. Uh, So the eagle is holding with one uh, leg the serpent about to eat it, and with the other one is standing on a cactus, on a ficus apuntia indica. Mm. And it has, yeah, so for me it represents a lot the ficus apuntia indica. It connects me with the land of Mexico, with my ancestry,
1: with my language, with uh, everything. So it will be the, the apuntias. I'm sure that's a quiz question as well. Like, <laughs> what is on the Mexican flag <laughs> in the middle? <laughs> and the Mexican flag, the the latest one is the
2: the, the actual one. It just has changed through through centuries, but that representation of the eagle in top of the cactus is it has way before the Spanish, yeah. You know? mm. uh, Good. i show you in the in the nopal i call it la nopalera I don't call it the cactus house nopalera is a place where you can find cactus in the wild or in a crop especially the upuntias. cool mm-hmm.
0: so
1: the the next one you might have already answered but a uh, favorite cactus to eat well
2: to be honest i am i am a person that like the unknown i'm trying to be friendly with the unknown So the latest one, I was uh, in Spain, Uh, I was walking with this researcher, uh, Alberto, uh, from uh, University of Málaga, and he took me to a garden that is full of cactus and part of a public space and there's some research in there. And I would start grabbing this Cilindropuntia, and I was like, I think this is edible, bam, bam, and I start snacking he was like no this (laughs) looks (laughs) healthy again so uh, and it's quite tasty you know I have some in the cactus house but I need to be careful because it doesn't grow uh, that quick Uh, but I guess uh, the unknown
1: Mm, that's my flavor makes life exciting yeah you can't you can't do that that with mushrooms
2: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know where I I'm gonna end up. I have to be <laughs> and be clear on this. Uh, this is not about hallucinogenics This is about exploration of flora, uh, about new techniques, about whatever. It's just mm.
1: exploration. Nah, yeah, pure experimentation. That's it. That's experimentation.
0: I see it. Right. So, go on, Chris. Do you want to answer the last question? Yeah, it's the one that everyone has to answer. So. We'll find out when you're in your uh, greenhouse with the cactus, do you prefer a morning coffee or a tea or an afternoon beer or wine?
2: Afternoon beer or wine. Yeah,
0: <laughs>
1: represent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> oh, that's a great answer. I love it. I'm glad. I don't
2: know you, but... Um, Man, that that glass of wine, you know, when the sun is setting, going through the glass houses, the color is. I'm 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 studying photograp- photography. So when the colors come in, a beer
0: or yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm guessing you could make wine and or even beer with cactus as well. Surely, yeah, it'll be a sweet yeah. one
2: from the from the fruit from the prickle pear. I've <laughs> done colonce uh, in the past. Which is a alcoholic drink, which is praise and is to celebrate the harvest of the prickle pear,
0: the tuna. Ah, awesome. Yeah. So, as if there weren't enough reasons to grow cactus, now you can make alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, <Just> a dream. <laughs>
1: yeah, just a dream. <laughs> oh, this has been a great chat, Elki. Loved um, it. Where can people find you online?
2: Uh, well, uh, my Instagram account is L-K-Wild, Elki Wild. E L K I Wild. It couldn't suit me better, I think. Elki Wild and Instagram, and and that's it, really. Uh, from there, you can uh, personal uh, communication. Uh, I do talks over there in the greenhouse. Wolf's Lane Horticultural Center we are in near Wood Green N22 uh, we open Sundays for uh, plant sales and that's when I uh, con- uh, make contact with the public whoever wants to join me for a little quick chat or long chat or bring your cactus or, <laughs> cactus or I don't know, you know just, just be part of the community uh, but also, uh, uh, school, school talks seems to be now calling uh, more talks, like the um, Oxford Real Farming Conference and hopefully through these talks I can uh,
0: spread, uh, spread the knowledge and love of cactus we've definitely done that today it was so appreciative thank you and I must say as well there's a link on your Instagram to a brilliant <laughs> video um, where they call you the Cactus Man of London and I loved watching that today so
2: yeah yeah it was made by uh, of, uh, a student of the film student of the University College London she approached me and says Elky uh, can you be my subject I was there okay fine and I've been myself and she asked put me the name but I I didn't put myself but obviously she decided to do that and I respect that and she did a short film about me but I try not to call it me because I feel it's too egoistic to you know to you know I I don't like that stuff of course yeah it's in YouTube uh, the Cactus Man
0: of London (laughs) <laughs> i love it it's a lovely video but thank you so much for your time today oki and and thank we'll ask one heard. more thing of you do you mind playing us out with your beautiful yeah instrument? <laughs> Thank you so much to Elkie. This was an amazing episode full of knowledge and thank you to his amazing musical skills as well. And also a huge thank you to our sponsors, Natural Grower and Direct Plants Limited. If you want to help keep this podcast going, get early access to episodes and get unedited videos with our guests, head to patreon.com forward slash food grower academy. And if you need help on your plot, on your farm, with planning, with anything like that, then we have consultation sessions available with both Jack and I at foodgrower.co.uk.